Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the Cleveland Guardians 8, the Chicago White Sox 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field. The thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And yes, the audio quality still isn't great. Yes, I'm still on the road. Yes, this episode is coming up late because I'm still in the central time zone. But let's talk Guardians because they did something special last night. The magic number's down to seven, right? They didn't clinch the Central Division yet, but uh, it sure felt like the Chicago White Sox didn't know that, right? I mean, they really came out and played a bad baseball game, and the Guardians took advantage of it and played their style of baseball. And uh, my brother said it perfectly last night as we were talking during the game. He's like, look, the, the White Sox didn't get eliminated on Tuesday, but they sure played like a team that got eliminated on Tuesday, right? They came out with that attitude of a team that just lost the division. So uh, let's get into the storylines of this game. And man, I they're both sides of this game were fantastic. I mean, I think we have to start with Tristan McKenzie because it was just, there was a point in this game where I was like, well, Stephen Kwan's definitely going to be MVP of the game two days in a row, but McKenzie just kept coming. And just kept striking out White Sox hitters. He goes eight innings, gives up six hits, does give up two runs, does give up one home run. No walks, though, and 13 strikeouts on 100 pitches. He is hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, but 13 strikeouts. And he went into just dominant mode with his breaking stuff. And uh, Austin Hedges said it perfectly in the uh, postgame interviews. He's like, it was the curveball, man. It was all the curveball on this night. And he was not joking. He had a 77% whiff rate on his curveball. 13 swings, 10 whiffs with an average exit velocity. They put two in play with an average exit velocity of 60.6. So that shows you how good Tristan McKenzie's curveball was on the day. Throw in four called strikes. It's a 58% CSW on that pitch alone. Not to mention a 50% whiff rate on his slider. Add in, you know, well, six whiffs and 14 calm strikes on his four-seam fastball. It's a 46% CSW total on the day for Tristan McKenzie. Remember, CSW is called strikes plus whiffs. It's just that the percentage of pitches that they threw on the day, they either created a called strike or got a whiff. And 46 is in elite, elite territory. This has to be one of the top pitching performances of the entire season as far as CSW is concerned. And I mean, it was a pretty simple game plan. He said uh, he had that in one of the on-field post-game interviews, uh, him and uh, Will Brennan together, which we are going to talk about Will Brennan in a second. But uh, McKenzie said he knows the White Sox hitters are aggressive. So he knew attack the zone early, you'll get him to swing. And if you get ahead, Boom, drop the hammer on him, drop the curveball on him. And that's exactly what he's doing. He was pounding the strike zone with that fastball, throwing the fastball to all four quadrants. He was pounding the strike zone with that slider and then just dropping the bottom out of that curveball. So many curveballs below the belt. Uh, yeah, a few, few up there, a few get away to his arm side. But most of the time he's dropping the hammer and dropping that curveball below the belt. They, like we said, could not touch 77% whiff rate. And of course, uh, if you look at the strikeouts here, 
it's no shock that of the 13 strikeouts, two come via fastballs, uh, two come from the slider, one up and away, one down below the knees um, to Andrew Vaughn. Okay, so four of them come via that. Everything else, all the, the other nine of them come via the curveball. Two of them come in the zone. He gets uh, Yohan Moncada and Elvis Andrews swinging at curveballs right, kind of right at the belt. But then the other ones are just buried below the knees. Uh, Loy Jimenez goes down down there. Yasmani Grandal. Gavin Sheets chases a curveball. Andrew Vaughn chases for everybody. Andrews, uh, Vaughn again, uh, and Gavin Sheets again. So everybody was chasing the curveball. And I mean, some of these counts, 0-2 count, 2-2 count, 1-2 count. I mean, he was ahead, ahead, ahead. 1-2 counts, so many 1-2 counts. that He was getting guys to chase curveballs down there. And let's go to the count breakdown. Let's see how far. Oh, my God. Nobody even made it to a full count last night off Tristan McKenzie. Uh, one person makes it to a 2-0 count. Uh, 11 guys do start out 1-0. All right. But then he jumps right back to 1-1. One person made it to 2-0. 11 batters make it to uh, 1-0. And then the, that means nine of them either made contact or, or 10 of them either made contact or fall to one and one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, just all down the left side of this chart, which is the 01, 02, 12 counts, um, just absolutely staying ahead of the hitters all night. Didn't give an inch on that mound to a single White Sox hitter. So great stuff from Tristan McKenzie. I mean, yeah, this is a powerful team. So I can live with a solo home run here and there. Uh, yeah, they're a power-hitting team. Aloy Jimenez gets him for... Oh, no, I'm sorry, not Aloy Jimenez. Yohan Makata gets him for a solo home run. Fine. Whatever. Uh, you know, on a night like this where he's absolutely dominant, uh, that solo home runs don't matter as much as giving up big innings. And uh, Lance Lynn, on the other side of things, doesn't, you know... He actually, he does give up a bunch of... A couple home runs... But uh, he gives up the big innings. He gives up crooked numbers to the Guardians. Uh, twice in this game, they're able to add another crooked number in the seventh inning off of uh, Jose Ruiz. So, yeah, the Guardians offense does their thing. So, yeah, McKenzie was absolutely fantastic. And then Karachek finishes things off in the ninth inning for the win. All right, let's flip things around to the offensive side of the ball. And the top storyline has to be the list of contact hitters is growing in Cleveland with the addition of Will Brennan, who gets the start in right field last night. Now, the Guardians make some transactions, some surprise transactions uh, before this game. They recall Gabriel Arias. They select the contract of Will Brennan. They option Richie Palacios back down to Columbus. And they designate Ernie Clement for assignment. They had a clear room on the 40-man roster. And Ernie Clement is the unfortunate guy that uh, gets cut loose. And, you know, Francona talked before the game. Mandy Bell had a quick article out saying, yes, we've been keeping our eye on Will Brennan for a while. We, we, we think this is really our optimal, our best lineup we could possibly put on the field. Then why were we waiting so long? Like, there wasn't a good explanation of why this move happened today and why they waited so long to make the move. Like, what triggered 
this move. That's what I'm waiting for. I know you've been keeping your eye on Will Brennan for a long time. Most Guardians fans have been keeping their eye on Will Brennan for most of the season. Uh, you know, Guardians Twitter and podcasters have been doing a good job of indicating to us that Will Brennan is someone worth keeping your eye on. But what exactly triggered this move today or yesterday is the question uh, that I still have on my mind. Either way, Will Brennan is here. He is on MLB.com, the 20th ranked prospect in the Guardian system. The left-handed hitter who was a former eighth round pick. Uh, Silly Willie, as he's known on Twitter. That's his, that's his Twitter handle. That's, that's not a nickname I'm giving him. Uh, he's got a 55 hit grade. Remember, this is on the 20 to 80 grading scale, so 55 is pretty good. He's got a 55 hit grade, a 40 power. All right, he's not going to hit a lot of home runs. He runs at a 55. His arm is a 50. His fielding is a 50. Overall, they've got him at a 45. Frankly, I can give you more details about Will Brennan, but basically, he's a Stephen Kwan type. I mean, that's literally what his scouting report here breaks down to. Uh, at Kansas State, he was like one of the absolute best at not swinging and missing. Uh, he led NCAA Division One in at-bats per strikeout at 18.6 as a junior. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of hitter he is. He's just, I mean, it's absolutely Stephen Kwan type. Uh, he does not uh, swing and miss. If you come in the zone, he's going to make contact with that ball. Um I don't know if he goes to the opposite field as much as Stephen Kwan does. That'll be something we have to see. Uh, he gets two hits in this game, one going up the middle and one pulling it into right field. That's something that they worked on with him in the minors. You know, they worked on the swing to get him a little bit more pop, uh, pull the ball with a little more authority. So it'll be, I mean, him and Kwan both in this lineup. I mean, it just adds to the contact hitters and Andres Jimenez and Ramirez and, uh, even Oscar Gonzalez to an extent. I know Oscar Gonzalez is a big power hitter, but he can also, uh, you know, use some bat-to-ball skills when he's not chasing sliders down and away. Um, yeah, but Miles Straw being a contact guy, it's just another contact guy in this lineup that pitchers are going to have to deal with. That pitchers are going to be like, Jesus, how the heck do I get a pitch by this guy? So in his debut last night, he starts off his debut by making a sliding catch down the right field line and uh, taking away a base hit from the first batter of the game for the White Sox, Elvis Andrews. So that's a way to start your major league career. You know, they always joke that the ball will find you. And sure enough, first batter of the game finds Will Brennan. And uh, he delivers. He delivers a good defensive play. Uh, you know, he's not going to be Miles Straw in center field, but he is a very reliable outfielder out there. That's that's the report coming out of Triple A. He may not even make the highlight reel catches that Stephen Kwan makes, diving and sacrificing his body in left field. But he's going to be really, really solid, I think, out there uh, in right, whether he's playing right, center, or left. We'll see how they move him around, just like they've been moving around Tyler Freeman. Oh, yeah, another contact hitter in this Guardians lineup that pitchers have to worry about. So uh, how did this offense get rolling? It got rolling because Stephen Kwan is an elite, elite leadoff hitter. Since his off day on Sunday, Quan has let off the last three games with a base hit. Now, they couldn't do anything with it yesterday or two days ago, right? They couldn't do anything in the first inning. It took a while for the offense to get going in that first game of the series. Not last night. 
And now it helped that Johan Moncada was playing absolutely horrid defense at third base. But they get things rolling immediately uh, in this game. Steven Kwan with another leadoff single. Uh, Ahmed Rosario comes up. Uh, he would get a single. Uh, let me check. Was this one of Johan Moncada's uh, terrible plays? It's hard to keep track of all the Johan Moncada terrible plays from last night. So Quan singles on a line drive into right field. Beautiful stuff. 101.7 mile per hour exit velocity. Uh, just because he's a contact hitter doesn't mean he's a light hit. You know, a light hitter. Yes, Ahmed Rosario singles on a ground ball to Johan Moncada. This is the one where he like double clutches it. He like takes his time with it. By the way, chasing a curveball away. He would chase a curveball away later in the game and strike out doing this. But uh, it's not a surprise that Ahmed Rosario chasing breaking pitches away. Lance Lynn doesn't have a slider. Otherwise, this would have been a slider away. So all he's got is the curveball and gets uh, Ahmed Rosario to extend the zone here. But luckily, I mean, Mankata has to know that he's facing one of the elite runner sprinters in the game. And Ahmed Rosario, he's got to come up firing. Instead, uh, he like triple crow hops into this throw and Ahmed Rosario beats it out. So first two guys on again in this game. Jose Ramirez, for some reason, has determined not to take walks anymore and chases a ridiculously high and away fastball for uh, strike three. But Josh Naylor would come up after that. He would draw a walk. He would show some patience. He'd work a nine pitch at bat. My God. But finally take a walk on a cutter out and away. Uh, so we load the bases now for Oscar Gonzalez. Now, this was a crazy play. Uh, not only was Moncada playing weird at third base, Abreu could not scoop anything at first base. And I think Abreu is a pretty good defensive first baseman usually. And multiple times in this game, if he comes up with a scoop from a throw in the dirt, he'll, he's going to save his, uh, you know, his fellow teammates, his fellow infielders from making an error, and he can't do it. So Gonzalez takes a, uh, I knew a ground ball was coming. I just knew it. Uh, takes a cutter inside. Chops it towards uh, third base. Mancata steps on third, so retires Ahmed Rosario, but then spikes the throw, and uh, Mancata can't handle it. So Quan comes in to score. They finally get Quan in to score. It took three hitters, but they finally bring Quan in to score from third base. And uh, yeah, so uh, Oscar Gonzalez uh, is safe at first on the throwing error by Mancata. And the uh, inning would continue. Andres Jimenez would then single on a ground ball to Yoan Moncada. He can't field it cleanly. And uh, Naylor comes in to score, and Gonzalez goes into second. So they score two runs, mostly off of Yoan Moncada. I mean, I've never seen a defensive player be so integral to a rally like Moncada was. So it's good stuff from your Guardians in the first inning. Uh, we do get guys on in the, uh, in the second. Uh, Straw would single, Stephen Kwan would uh, single, and Straw would go to third. So they have runners on the corner. Ahmed Rosario strikes out terribly on that curveball away. I knew he was going to chase a curveball away once he got down in the count. Um, in fact, he chases two curveballs down and away in this at-bat. Uh, the only thing he lays off was the forcing fastball that was up at his head. It almost took his head off. That's the only pitch he lays off in this at-bat. Fouls off a forcing fastball up at the top of the zone and then chases a second curveball down and away to strike out. I hate when Amon Rosario does that. Like, come on, show a little bit of patience up there, especially with runners on the corner. You got to bring Straw in to score. 
And then uh, Ramirez hits a nice line drive into center field, but A.J. Pollock makes a nice catch, makes a nice route to the ball, and does a little leap and takes away extra base hits and RBIs from Jose Ramirez. So, all right, they don't score there, but they didn't let Lance Lynn get comfortable, and it would pay dividends then in the third inning. Uh, Naylor starts things off with another error from these White Sox. My God, they just can't get out of their own way. This time, Andrew Vaughn drops one coming in in left field and lets Naylor reach to kick off the inning. Oscar Gonzalez would single on a, a fly ball to right field. He'd bloop one into right field, uh, take a curveball and bloop it the other way. Uh, Naylor does the work, goes first to third. Uh, so we got runners on the corner. And Andres Jimenez, this is just a nice Guardians rally right here. He shoots a line drive into center field. Naylor comes in to score 102.6 mile per hour exit velocity. He smokes one. And that brings up Will Brennan for his first major league hit on a uh, 2-0 count. He misses with two fastballs inside to Brennan, lays off him, shows his patience, shows his eye, gets a sinker, a two-seamer out over the plate, and shoots it back up the middle at 103.2 mile per exit velocity right up the center, and Oscar Gonzalez comes in to score from second. Andres Jimenez goes first to third. Austin Hedges would ground into a double play, but it does bring in the runner from third base. So at least he put the ball in play and didn't strike out. Like we said, there are so many ways for a guy to score from third base, and one of them is to have runners on the corner with nobody out and ground into a double play. You don't get the RBI. Yeah, you don't feel too great about it, but you brought the run in to score. That's what's important. You made contact and brought the run in to score and then to kick off the uh, the next inning the fourth inning why not Stephen Kwan gets a first pitch fastball right down the pipe and even Stephen Kwan is not going to blink at that pitch he cracks at 99.9 miles per hour 400 feet for his fifth home run on the season Kwan can't hit a home run he can do it if you're leaving the ball if you're going to give him a fastball right down the middle of the pipe uh, he is going to hit a home run off you. So they do a good job of really blowing out this lead. They get it up to a six to nothing lead. Uh, they finally answer back in the fourth inning. Uh, I believe, was that the solo home run from Ankata to lead off the fourth? Yep, but then he shuts him down in the fourth. He doesn't let it get in his head. Abreu flies out, then he strikes out Aloy Jimenez, strikes out Gavin Sheets, and takes control back of this game. So yes, they answer for Stephen Kwan's solo home run, but they can't answer for anything else. It's 6-1 to one at that point. Then in the seventh inning, they get another rally going. Uh, Jose Ramirez with a walk and Josh Naylor with another home run in Chicago. He's been doing it all season. 105.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 20 degree launch angle, 403. Uh, a two-run home run to really leave no doubt in this game. Uh, they would get a leadoff double and single in the seventh inning. But again, uh, he has to work pretty hard. McKenzie has to work pretty hard, but he gets through the seventh inning, and his pitch count's so low that he goes out there and pitches the eighth and uh, gets a strikeout line out and strikeout in the eighth inning. So I thought the seventh inning might be the end of the line for uh, Tristan McKenzie. He does give up three hits in that inning, but he only gives up one run, and he comes back out and pitches the eighth to say, no, I have this is my game. This is my game, and I'm going out there for one more inning and shutting you down again. So that's great stuff. I mean, just fantastic rallies, taking advantage of a walk there with a crooked number home run from Naylor. Man, if Naylor could play every day in guaranteed rate field, 
uh, he would be doing what Aaron Judge is doing right now. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun stuff from your Guardians offense. Uh, so we'll see, man. Oh, my God. So many options for the lineup tomorrow. How is he going to get Tyler Freeman in there? How is he going to get Gabriel Arias in there? Arias can play a little left field, too. I mean, does Quan play a little center and Arias play a little left field on some days? Uh, he DH'd Oscar Gonzalez tonight. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Can Arias play first base and Naylor DH tomorrow? Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Guardians do. They got Bieber on the mound, going for the sweep. And, uh, again, Hedges, fantastic quotes in the locker room. Uh, they had a fun interview where they were interviewing Stephen Kwan postgame. And uh, Andre Knott was there with him. And then uh, Straw breaks into the interview. Then Hedges breaks into the interview. And you got to give uh, Andre Knott credit as a uh, broadcaster because he stayed with the interview. He let those guys in but kept asking important questions. So he didn't just get swept up in the moment. He stayed in interview mode, which I kind of love. But, um, you know, all those guys, their personalities are fantastic. Uh, Straw still seems like that grumpy old man. Uh, for some reason, he just carries a chip on his shoulder. Man, Straw carries a chip on his shoulder uh, all the time. Um, Tristan McKenzie said postgame, they're still carrying that chip on their shoulder. They have not... Uh, Let's see, they have not relaxed because of their lead in the American League Central. They have not relaxed because of where the magic number is. Uh, Austin had just said it perfectly. All season, they've come out and they've just played that day's game. They've just played that baseball game. They haven't thought about the division or anything else. They've just thought, hey, we get to play a baseball game today. Let's go out and win it. And that's the same attitude I would expect them to take all the way to the end of this season. Uh, yeah, so the magic number is down to seven and eight zero. So there's still more baseball to go. There's still more fight to go. All right, MVP on the day. Let's wrap this thing up. Yeah, we are going back to the pitching side of things. We're going with Tristan McKenzie. You dropped 13 strikeouts on the Chicago White Sox. You're definitely taking home. You go eight innings pitched. You're definitely taking home. You have a CSW of 46% with a whiff rate of 46%, you were definitely taking home MVP on the day. So, uh, you know, I was looking at Stephen Kwan for three hits. He had three hits in his first three at-bats with two runs scored and a solo home run. And, uh, well, an RBI because he had drove himself in. And, uh, yeah, it was a great way to kick off the game. Uh, I was thinking about Will Brennan, who has two hits in his Major League debut, including an RBI. Not to mention Andre Semenis, who we don't, didn't talk about a lot, a lot there, but he had a multi-hit game with two RBIs and a run scored and a walk. So he was on base three times. So some big, big days for a lot of Guardians here. But MVP on the day definitely has to go to Tristan McKenzie. So a fantastic, fun win for your Cleveland Guardians and uh, just kind of an embarrassing loss for the Chicago White Sox. Just they did look like they did not want to be there last night. They were embarrassed to be on the same field as the Cleveland Guardians last night. So we have just done a fantastic job of hammering the American League Central all season. And we get a chance to sweep and finish off the White Sox uh, in this finale. So I believe it's Cueto going up against Bieber. So like Lance Lynn, Cueto's a guy that if he locks in, can really run a game. So we're going to have to jump on him early again. 
Uh, let's. It'll be a fun way to kick things off in this finale if we can jump on Cueto again. We'll see. I mean, it's asking a ton for Quan to get four base hits to lead off four games in a row, but can he do it and finish off this sweep? All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I'll be back in the home studio. The audio quality will improve back to what you expect uh, in our next episode. Again, the final from Chicago. It's your Guardians 8, the White Sox 2. You can follow me on Twitter at David Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.